sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. I'm really not sure how to feel about this because I still do have weight concerns with this guy. I do. Uh, I don't have DH concerns because I saw what Alvarez on Houston did last year. And if he can just be that, that's great. You know that and I know that. Players don't like to, especially young players, not be in the field. It throws them off their rhythm. It's a tough transition to just hit four times. Maybe, but but Guerrero doesn't look like Alvarez either. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome on into the free kick here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Martino Puccio and Davis Maddock alongside you. Davis, we're really just in the thick home stretch of things for all these top leagues as Premier League winds down, La Liga winds down, Serie A pretty much over, but Juve really have to wrap it up this weekend. How, how do you think everything's gone? Um, I think it's been a massive home run for the sport, especially over here in the States. It's just been so much fun. It's kind of made up, for me at least, for missing out on March Madness and uh, half of the baseball season. We'll get baseball back soon as well, but I, I loved it. Uh, it's been great. So, you know, we started with the Bundesliga, and that was all we had uh, to, you know, for, for our attention. But now we have every day. I mean, there are... 15 games on starting at you know seven o'clock in the morning where you are out in new york you have uh, the mls games going for me it's a little bit later on in the day and then once that's over you know then you start thinking about then the the epl games start and then the la liga games are a little bit later in the afternoon we have syria in the afternoon i think that uh, the television ratings bear it out that you know this is the most that americans have ever watched soccer in continuity and it's been it's been great i thought i think it's just been overall fantastic and uh, COVID is going to be bad for the sport in terms of you know it's taking some money away from the game there are going to be teams that face huge financial difficulties as a result of it but i do think you could say it's at least a slight positive that more people are watching than i've ever watched before yeah i i would agree and honestly it's great to see it not in a world cup year as well because a lot of people really just go with the world cup and kind of get detached but now there's a real you know they don't have to wait a week for each team to play they could just keep watching them and you know who knows where more people are being fans of whether it's Serie A with the espn coverage um whether it was with fs1 and the bundesliga nbc and the Premier League, and even, you know, being sports, if you wanted to go with La Liga, there's just been, like, so many different outlets. And I think Serie A's probably benefited the most. They have the biggest star. They they play on the biggest platform with ESPN, and everyone yeah. has ESPN Plus compared to, you know, Fox and, and all these other NBC stuff. Like, I was trying to, I was struggling to find Arsenal-Liverpool yeah, yesterday. Yeah, the Peacock games, it was, it was a total nightmare. You could only watch it on your computer or your phone. You know, there's not a PlayStation app. There's not a smart TV app for it yet because it, it just launched. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that everyone has ESPN Plus. Everyone, and some of the games, you know, some of the games have not even been on ESPN Plus. They've just been on straight up ESPN. Like, you could go watch Atalanta on ESPN, which is like, that. that's a really cool thing. Like, that is, that's awesome. It's it's way better than watching fishing. I, lo- I love fishing. Yeah. Fishing is one of my favorite activities, but... I'd rather watch that early in the morning and all that stuff. And, and they're doing a great job of getting all the teams in there as well. But we got to talk about the biggest news that's going on in the world of the sport right now. And Manchester City gets away with their ban. I'm not shocked by this. I thought it would have came down to a one-season ban from the Champions League or just a transfer window ban. Um, because ultimately, CAS, which is the court system of appeals that clubs go through after FFB and UEFA lay down a ban or or punishment of whatever sorts. Again, this is this is where a lot of fans from a lot of clubs have a hard time taking this seriously with FFP because the original intention of FFP, if people don't know this, is to prevent other clubs from going bankrupt because a lot of teams run at losses. Uh, they, they amount crazy numbers of debt and their clubs go bankrupt and we don't hear of these clubs again. But at the same time, Davis, it's not really carrying out the full intentions. It feels like the rules apply to certain clubs at certain times. We've seen Chelsea get in bans. We've seen my club, AC Milan, take a Europa League ban. 
Roma, Inter Milan, all having to sell off players to appease FFP and turn green at the end of the financial year, where we have Manchester City, who a lot of people don't know prior to around probably the start of the 2010s, were absolutely nothing. They were a nobody club. They were just the, you know, a speck on Manchester United's uh, rearview mirror. And now they're just this financial superpower with endless amounts of money. And they're just competing for all the top trophies every single year. But somehow there is no ban or anything. They're purchasing John Stones for 55 million pounds who hasn't seen the light of day. They're spending almost upwards of half a billion dollars on fullbacks, which that situation is still not resolved there. So to me, it's just funny how they could do all this. Everyone knows something is up because Manchester City is not this titan of the sport that these other clubs were. And yet, there's no ban, and all they have to do is just pay 10 million euros of a fine, and that's it. What have you thought about it? I think it's a farce. Okay, so let me, let me, I think this is maybe a controversial opinion. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your response to this would be. Sure. I actually don't like the competition bans. I think that the way these teams should be punished for breaking these very clear laws is they should be financially punished because the, the, rules are actually not in place to keep Manchester City from happening. The reason that financial fair play was, you know, re- the reason it was originally thought of, the reason why it was originally implemented was actually to keep teams from doing like what Leeds did, which was spending money they didn't have, you know, to spending money they didn't have to make their club better and then in the end not being able to pay the players, not being able to, you know, uh, you know, pay their league fees and everything. I actually think that the competition ban, I think it punishes the players. And I think it means that like, you know, so if Manchester City, uh, you know, if Manchester City were to get this competition ban, what would happen is, you know, Kevin De Bruyne would leave and Raheem Sterling would leave. And, you know, maybe David Silva stays, maybe, you know, some of these guys stay out of loyalty, but it really punishes the players more than the owners. And uh, I, I think that it should be huge financial penalties, not necessarily competition bans. Sure. And I, I, I agree with what your sentiment is. But at the end of the day, if they are giving these bans out, stick by them. How many times have we seen bans or, or anything suspension-wise over here in our sports get, you know, reversed to this? You know, if there's like a four-game ban or whatever for someone in the NFL for PEDs, they could appeal. They get two, three games, right? It's really not that big of a difference from the initial ban. But, I mean, from two-year Champions League ban, from a hefty fine to just 10 million euros, it's basically like, you know, 10 million euros just for whatever you did, and that's that. And it's just kind of like when other teams are having to accept these penalties and sit out these competitions and and get um, all these issues... It applies to them, but it doesn't apply to a Manchester City of the world. Like, I understand where everyone's getting upset, and I'm upset by it because it's just it's just not fair to everyone else. And at the end of the day, I agree. If Manchester City has the money to spend, then they should be able to spend as much as they want. Why should we hold restrictions to them? It's their money. If they want to eventually, you know, potentially run at a loss and, and go bankrupt, that's on them, right? But... For me, I, I don't like restricting other clubs from doing this, and I don't like how it applies to certain clubs opposed to others. And you know what? Like, I want to know what's going to happen with PSG. Is the same thing going to apply to PSG? What if PSG does get a ban at the end of the day, and they do have to sell their players? For me, I agree with you to an extent, but at the end of the day, if you're going to put out a punishment like that, don't completely pull a 180 and do nothing. Because at the end of the day now, it's saying you can appeal any punishment and you can get away with it. Because it just seems to me like it's this loophole that UEFA set down these rules for FFP and you get these bans, but as long as you go to the Court of Appeals and you and you can get it reversed, then no harm, no foul. Why not keep breaking the rules if you could just keep on doing this and appeal it all the time? Because that's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean that so you're you're definitely you're definitely correct in the sense of like nothing nothing changes, right? This is this is just what world football is now. You know, Manchester City, Manchester United, PSG, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid can outspend everyone and everyone else is playing for, you know, kind of sixth place behind those teams and this ruling doesn't do anything to change that. Yeah, and then you factor in how deep they get into the Champions League. Champions League, if you go so far into this competition, there is 
ungodly amount of money that you can get from TV uh, rights, right? Because you keep going deeper into the competition. It's kind of like a, a, a split amongst conferences in March Madness. The more games you win and the deeper you go into the tournament, the more of the money uh, pot you split between your conference. So it's basically like that. Um, but let's talk about other countries and clubs benefiting from stuff and, and major clubs in that. And the five subs are staying, Davis. They're not going anywhere. Five subs are staying into next year. I totally get it. I think it really does make a lot of sense with the condensed schedule that we're going to have to be dealing with considering the international competitions coming up. And then that's even going to extend further into 2022, which Qatar announced their, their dates and all that stuff for that World Cup, which will be taking place from December, uh, November to December. So that's a little bit different for everyone else. Um, good idea. Massive clubs will benefit from this, no doubt. Um, does that affect you and the way you're going to bet futures in terms of you know potentially taking some dogs to win some competitions uh, of sorts? Because to me, it's just... I mean, usually the favorites always win, but now I don't even think it's worth having a conversation for some of these other clubs that might be on the outside looking in. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually think I would go the other way. I think underdogs yeah. are now basically like just just drawing dead. Like how how can underdogs rationally be favored when like, you know, Manchester City yeah. can bring off a guy who's going to get Ballon d'Or votes off the bench, you know, and she Sheffield United who might even get a European place this year. I mean, their their bench options are like nineteen year old Norwegian kids. Like it seriously, yeah, it, it it's and it's it's just totally it's unfair, uh, especially in the English Premier League. Do you think they should keep? Would you? How about this? Would you keep it to certain competitions? So, say FA Cup, you know, cup matches uh, and all these domestic stuff. It's just five subs, but it's not five subs all the time in the league games. Or would you rather it always be in the league games, but not in those cup matches? Because there has to be like somewhere where you kind of be like, okay, this this is an even playing field. Because at the end of the day, you know, like you're just worried about when you play in Manchester City of the world. Like, who are they going to bring off this time? Is it going to be Mares if Mares isn't starting? And, and what are their two other options? Like if there's an injury substitution, we're lucky that they're going to use it on a center back. But now you have to worry about five guys that they could potentially bring off the bench. And when it's a team like Manchester City, I mean, think about that. Making five subs at a time for them, that's almost half their team. Um, actually is half their outfield players because if you're not counting the goalkeeper, right? To me, it's just like, oh my God, like why not? Or why wouldn't they spend more money on the transfer market? Because now it appeals for more players to go to bigger clubs because now they're going to have more playing time because they're guaranteed to get into a game because there's more substitutes. So for me, I think it really affects the transfer market as well because I think more of the younger stars are more inclined to go to bigger clubs now because there is a more of an opportunity to play. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, you know, with, with that logic. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, I think overall, like, like ex Phil Foden, actually great yeah. example, right? Mm -hmm. Like Phil Foden, he's never leaving city now. Cause he's just, he's guaranteed minutes, right? He'll never go anywhere. And, and why not? Because it's really good competitions. He'll step in midweek, say there's a Champions League week, right? They want to they wanna arrest some of their forwards like a Bernardo Silva of the world. Just sit him down, have him ready for the Champions League match, put Foden in against Southampton. There you go. You could easily get three points with Foden in the lineup. I mean, he's been one of the better youngsters that has come along in recent weeks. But Davis, when we come back, we're going to be talking more about the Premier League here on the Free Kick. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in to the free kick here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock alongside me. Davis, we are obviously talking about all the major topics in that first segment regarding the world of football. And we know all the rules that are going to be benefiting a lot of the big clubs. But we're going to be talking about some of the big clubs over in La Liga now. It went down to the wire. Barca gave it a good fight. Um, you know, there's 
it's not the best season for them. They could still salvage it. They got to win the Champions League to make this uh, anything worth their while. And, you know, they're really risking Messi leaving. Um, who knows if it's just another contract leverage situation there. We'll we'll get into that eventually. But top four is locked. And Letigo made a nice push late in the season after they had a disastrous start. Uh, they really pulled themselves together. So credit to them, Diego Simeone. Finishing in third place, Sevilla will lock up with fourth. A big season for them. Congratulations to getting back into the Champions League. Um, yeah, so what do you think? You think these were the four best teams all season long? I think this is the way it deserved to be played out. Um, just overall, a, a full season, you know, Real Madrid um, rallying around all these injuries that they had. Barcelona, it was really just Messi carrying them until, I mean, his last kick at the end of the day. Um, Atletico rallying younger squad there was so much turnover so you didn't really expect to for them to compete for the title even though I might have put a futures bet on them to win it but we won't talk about that um, Sevilla finishing fourth uh, good for them they have a lot of depth so it's nice to get back into the competition um, yeah but at the end of the day this this was a weird La Liga season but it was nice to see a race this late into the season for the title yeah, very, very weird season. I mean, I actually think low-key, the, the weirdest story of the La Liga season is Espanyol was relegated with, like, many, many games to play. They had they finished on 24 points. Leganes, uh, 32. Uh, Mallorca had 32 as well, Steve minus Nash's 30 team. goal differential. Yeah, I mean, Espanyol is, like, one of these historic La Liga teams. You know, they are, they are in the same... Uh, like they're in Barcelona as well. Like that's their that's their rival. And um, you know, I heard someone say on the Guardian Football Weekly podcast the other day, like they haven't been they haven't been relegated in like thirty or forty years or something. Like it's a huge uh, it's a huge you know cultural thing for them to go down to the second division there. You yeah, it really impacts a lot of the communities. It, you can kind of compare it in a sense to a lot of these smaller communities here in America that lost their minor league baseball teams for the season, and a lot of these yeah. teams that are shutting down. It matters to them. It matters to the community. It's a place to go. It brings in a lot of money around the area, and not having Espanol in there in the first flight, it, it's tough. And I and I feel bad. And you know what? There's a lot of people who. Don't really make it easy and stick to rooting for the best teams that have the chance to win trophies all the time. They stick by their local clubs. Um, it's always a thing that happens in England, like root for your local, root for your local, um, and all that stuff. Uh, so unfortunately for them, they're going down. Yeah, hopefully they'll be back up uh, eventually. But again, is this a turning of the tide for Real Madrid to just go off on uh, like a few years run? for them of winning this La Liga title because I think they're the favorites again going into next year. There's no sign for me looking at Barcelona or even heading into their transfer market where I could say, yeah, I like Barca changing up what happened from last year to this year. I know Ansu Fati can take over a bigger role in this, but for me, you could point to four to five different guys on Real Madrid that will be doing that on top of a healthy Aiden Hazard for a full season. So for me, Real Madrid heading in next year, well, in a few weeks, as the favorites again. So, uh, you know, I think that um, I, I think that one of the issues that Madrid has is actually very similar to Barcelona, which is a lot of their guys who played a ton of minutes this year are old however i think the younger players on barcelona are probably or on madrid are better than the guys that are in the part the pipeline at barcelona so benzema 32 years old tony cruz 30 luka modric 34 probably about done for him at the top level you know wouldn't surprise me to see him go back to play in croatia for diana mozigreb or in the MLS next season. Uh, Marcelo, 32, he probably needs to be replaced. Bale, probably not going to be on the team next year. Uh, wouldn't surprise me uh, if... Uh, so, so, like, looking at the guys who are going to be in their rotation next year, we're going to see a lot more minutes for uh, Federico Valverde. We're going to see a lot of Ferland Mendy, a lot of Vinicius Jr., probably a lot of Rodrigo, Ider Militao, Lucas Vasquez. You know, maybe maybe they're able to have a larger role for Hamas. And, uh, you know, like those are those are good young players. Those are better young players than than Barcelona, for sure, who just, by the way, sold Arthur. You know, they're they're kind of uh, they're high upside, you know, playmaking midfielders. So kind of a well, I just don't understand why they did that. 
Yeah, I guess financial reasons. I know they needed to make a lot of money back in the market. Um, Frankie De Jong needs to make a leap for sure for them. Um, I think Marcos Asensio for Real Madrid is going to be the guy that has to step up. And I think they did a great job of not rushing this guy back. A lot of It's so funny, Davis. I don't know about your take on this. Whenever we see a soccer player tear the ACL, they come back with under 200 days. It's just insane. And they're playing for like a full 90 minutes. And you're just... Like, I'm just always, like, biting my nails. I'm like, this isn't safe. This isn't right. You're taking uh, too little time to come back from an injury this severe. Um, but they, did, they didn't They did do that with Asensio, and he's been so great uh, ever since he came back. He's got his conditioning up. I think Sedan's done an amazing job uh, with rotating the squad. I do think they do need to make a move for a main striker again. I know Benzema is nice. Luka Jovic was a, was a fail of a transfer, but they can get goal scoring from a lot of different uh, positions and players. Uh, a lot of that will probably bank on Hazard's uh, creativity and all that stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. At the end of the day, Barcelona, you could really just look at Frankie de Jong, maybe Ricky Puig, um, and then um, Ansu Fati as the young studs to step up. And honestly, at the end of the day, those three, I'm not too sure they're better than that whole young core that Real Madrid has. And it might not be close, even though I do like the young guys that Barcelona has. So they're going to have to step up uh, alongside them. It'll be interesting to see where Luka Modric goes. I, I do want Gareth Bale to return to the Premier League, though. Yeah, I mean, Bale is actually, he's my favorite player. I yeah. love Gareth Bale. I know the, the Madrid fans hate him, but I just, like, I love his game. I love how powerful he is. I love, uh, you know, just like, you know, so fast, so technical on the ball. Like, I just, I, I think Gareth Bale is incredible. I love to watch him play for Wales. And it, it, it bums me out that really he has not been able to play at his best for like the last three years because of his relationship with whoever happens to be coaching for Real Madrid at the time. Yeah, I think it was, it was weird, though, because he had the moments of a Real Madrid legend, but he's not going to finish his one. In a, in a sense, like him coming on in these Champions League finals, he stepped up in two huge Champions League finals, right? Like that's that's as many as Juventus has won in its entire history, and he stepped up. That Liverpool final was just breathtaking. The goals he was scoring in that, and you're just like, where was this? Can you imagine if he was this healthy, that integral of a piece to Real Madrid while Cristiano was there? Like the left and the right side, you would never see a faster and more clinical winger combination in the history of the sport, right? I mean, that's how good and and that's what the potential was for it. We only saw a glimpse of it. They did end up winning the trophies, but it's hard for him to move to different places simply because of his high wages. We'll see where he goes. It might be China because we know he was close last summer, but... Zidane was kind of upset with him and he didn't want him to leave and then they started having these injuries. Hamas Rodriguez, I hope he goes to another club to get a better opportunity because right now Real Madrid wasn't the place to go for him. He's just another one of those guys who kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, did great at Bayern Munich. Um, there was rumors of him going to Napoli last summer. Uh, let's see where he goes now. I know he has a good relationship with Carlo Ancelotti, so if Everton would pony up the money, I don't know about that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where some of those parts move for Real Madrid, but I'm excited for next year. Do you think Atletico can challenge for the title? I just don't think they, I just don't think they have the high end talent, right? Like yeah. it, it just, it just seemed, I, I mean, maybe, maybe Jao Felix, you know, got to take a leap. Yeah. Like if, if Jao Felix becomes one of the 10 best players in the world, then, uh, then I think that's probably possible, but that, that, uh, that's the only way I would imagine it would happen. Yeah. I agree with that too. I think them losing out on Cavani, um, according to all the reports, is a big loss for them. I think they needed a better nine to finish things off. Um, Diego Costa is way past it, in my opinion. Morata is not this kind of guy that you could win the league with as your main uh, scoring piece. Uh, So they definitely need to figure some of those things out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting for me. I think it'll finish the way it finished with this year with the top three. I think it'll be Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico. I can't discount Barcelona in the long run because Messi is Messi at the end of the day. And if he plays a full 38 games, it's really hard to keep them out. They'll be in, uh, till the last second, but let's talk about some Premier League real quick, right? I mean, we're wrapping this up. FA Cup is wrapping up as well. What are you looking forward to more this weekend? Is it the FA Cup? Because... At the end of the day, it kind of feels like Chelsea, Manchester United really just care about getting to the Champions League within the league. Chelsea looks like they'll be safe, but how seriously are they going to be taking this competition this weekend? 
Uh, I mean, the FA Cup is the FA Cup is okay. I think the game we're all looking forward to though is Tottenham versus Leicester City. We have Spurs who are there at 55, and then uh, Leicester sitting there at 62 points. I think Leicester versus United, like they pretty much need to be. They have to win every game because United is on this war path right now. And as of the time you and I are talking, uh, United has not kicked off against Crystal Palace yet. But we imagine that uh, that they will probably both be tied at 62 points here very shortly and uh you know we we love jose actually doesn't he doesn't like to be happy himself he just likes to make <laughs> other people unhappy and uh you know nothing would make brendan rogers and lester city fans more unhappy than losing to this spurs team yeah and, and it would just be so Mourinho for them to not ultimately make it into a european spot and, and just challenge for that fourth spot but they play spoiler and that's anytime Jose Mourinho is able to just ruin someone's day, like you said. I think it makes his day a lot better. So I definitely see something like that happening. But we have to talk about the odds of this. I mean, do you like Spurs going into this game? Because there's just they're, they're so hard to read sometimes. And and I know the narrative that we were just discussing was that Mourinho teams will play up to the competition in this scenario. Leicester looks absolutely dreadful. I know they had a really nice win against Sheffield United. But there's something about them since the reboot. I mean, both of these teams are the two teams I trust the least. But Spurs are the favorite. Plus 135 on the money line. Do you agree with that? Uh, No, I would, I would bet. I would bet Leicester. I guess one of the things, though, is uh, James Madison has not played for two weeks now. And, I mean, he is Leicester City's best player. It's very hard for them to create shots. It's very hard for them to cycle the ball through the midfield without James Madison. So maybe, maybe I mean, and Spurs are, they have better players. They just are not coached as well, I guess. Nah, Spurs are just in that weird flux situation. I'm not even sure Mourinho fin- finishes the season next year with them. I think he could be out around New Year's Day again. I just think that's just the way he goes uh, these days. So, unfortunately for him, this might be one of his ma- last major coaching jobs in Europe in my opinion out of the top five leagues I think this might be it for Jose Mourinho at Spurs we could see imagine him in the United States I know you and I know him very well but the personality in the media would just be unbelievable in my opinion real quick yeah I mean I just just imagine him coaching an MLS game and dealing with MLS level defenders like he would be he just he would hate it he would hate everything just like Ibra did when he was over here but when we come back we'll talk more England sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com you're watching sports grid Get on the grid. All right, everybody, back here on the free kick. We got a ton of FA Cup action this weekend. The semifinals, Davis. We have Arsenal versus Man City, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Let's start off with the first match, Arsenal City. These two faced off earlier when the reboot happened. City thrashed Arsenal. Arsenal lost to Brighton. Then they started rebounding. They play very well. They recently beat Liverpool. Don't know how much you're really going to engage with that. Liverpool really has nothing to play for. So that was one of the bigger dog upsets of the week. Do you see it happening again? I don't. Because Manchester City, to me, this is in what is mostly a lost season domestically. They could salvage it with the FA Cup here and then go out and try and win the Champions League, which they're one of the favorites to do. I don't I don't see much of a chance of an upset here though I I need to um I need to give credit. Uh Arsenal has played much much better than a, a lot of people thought they could under you know under their new un, under their new coach they've been really stout not really stout they have been stouter defensively they've not been quite as um, enthusiastic offensively as they were during uh, Arsene Wenger's you know you know, great years or or anything like that but you know defensive solidity I I think you have to give them credit for being better than like we like this game uh, two months ago you know had the season still been going we would have been like. Oh, you know, City's going to score five goals. It's going to be another thrashing. And I think that they will be able to compete. I think they'll be able to get some shots in this game. But no, I don't think they'll be able to win. 
Yeah, they're massive dogs in this. So triple money line. We're seeing Manchester City at minus three seventy. Is it is it worth anything at all though? Even though, do you get scared off of that, or is that something you only put in a parlay, right? Because that's really just not something worth betting single game alone for the money line. Uh, I mean, you know, there is certainly a there's certainly a school of thought that says, you know, pretty much anytime your numbers say that uh, a number is plus EV, regardless of how much it is, you should bet it. Would I would I be betting, you know, minus 370? No, probably not. I, I think I probably would uh, would let that one would let that one go. But, uh, you know, I don't I do not think that it is a terrible bet. Yeah. For, for me, it's just something that I don't really see happening in terms of Arsenal upsetting them. They don't have that much to play for. I think that win against Liverpool, just it just doesn't weigh here for me. It really doesn't. You see a mistake from Virgil van Dijk. That's not going to happen again. Do, you, do we really see a scenario in which they're going to pounce on something like that? And what did Liverpool really have to play for at the end of the day? Just as many points as they can get 100 for the centurions which is something that you know silly people like to debate and argue but at the end of the day liverpool won the title so it really doesn't matter how many points they get right they finally won one um for city there's just there's just a lot to play for and i think there's a lot off pressure wise looming over their shoulders in, in the fact that they needed to worry about this champions league ban who's staying who's going is pep potentially going to leave because of this ban sticking out we know the band's not sticking. I, just everything here is just going with City. They're minus 190 as the future in this. It just, we, we talked about it when when the FA Cup first came back with the reboot. We thought they were the favorites. We we were discussing kind of others that um, might have been in play for it. But as far as single games go, over three and a half goals plus 112. That's something that I'd be interested in, to be honest with you. Uh Yeah. So I I think for the futures market for the FA Cup it's it's United it's United all the way for me I I think that United is uh, United is good enough to go toe to toe and beat Manchester City right now I definitely think they're better than Chelsea and of course I think they're better than Arsenal as well if if Arsenal somehow they beat you know, City slip- a couple times this year. Yeah, I mean they are, they have this um they have this amazing midfield now where they have uh you know Pogba and Bruno creating they, and then they have McTominay or Matic you know kind of you know stopping things up back there. Now we we've have talked on the show about how we think their defense is super susceptible. I still think that you know I still don't think that the same defense is any good. Yeah, same with Chelsea and but but also you know I don't think Manchester City's defense is all that impressive either, especially when they're going to be. I mean. <laughs> this weekend they ran out John Snones and uh Nicholas Ottomenti together and uh like that that's a championship level defense at this point and they paid over 90 million pounds for both of them combined so just goes to show again where some of this money goes for and it's just crazy what they've done uh yeah I would have to agree too and I'm really on Manchester United this weekend as well and I understand they have to be fighting for this fourth spot as well Chelsea they're out on the Champions League they gave up three away goals to Bayern Munich there's really just no hope for them there I think they're transitioning into next year when they get Werner in here Ziyech we've seen him in the locker room talking to guys Christian Pulisic has just been on fire I think if Chelsea ends up winning this game it's gonna have something to do with Christian Pulisic because Outside of Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, a couple of the Liverpool guys and City guys, Pulisic has been the best player in the Premier League since the reboot. And you know what? I think he has the capability of carrying them to a win here. But at the end of the day, just the way United is playing is just so impressive. And we really just haven't seen this in years. We know Mourinho and that squad finished second, but no one ever had that feeling in the back of their head like that's a really right, good Right, that they squad were right actually there. good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they were they, just like whatever. They're they're an okay. They're an okay team. Like they they score some goals, but you know, at the end of the day, like this is to me, this is the best uh this is the best United team since I really started following since soccer, Van Persie like, in, in a meaningful way. Say. For for me, it's the best team they've had since Van Persie. I know a lot of people will kind of say like, "Oh, it's a little bit of an outlier considering the time frame and everything," but it's like it's not really fair to United because they didn't get to have this core all together, right? Rashford got hurt. Bruno was kind of carrying the load. Pogba, we know the issues that he had. They get all those guys in there. And again, what you were talking about, how players get just a little bit better every single day in terms of the youngsters. Mason Greenwood has been phenomenal. 
I mean, the guy coming out of nowhere. I'm sure his DFS prices have risen through the roof now, um, and it's hard to get him and put him in your lineups now. But just, again, it's contributions from the big money purchases, contributions from the guys that are the experienced veterans on top of the youngsters that have come up through the youth system. And, and it's just Marcus Rashford is just so much off of his shoulders because he was just carrying them to get those points that they were grabbing earlier in the season. Now that he doesn't have to be their best player week in, week out, I think that just makes him a better player. It makes United a better team. And in turn, it makes them the best underdog in the FA Cup. So if I'm going with an underdog to win this outside of Manchester City, obviously the pretty heavy favorite, I think it would be Manchester United. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. You know, I I am. Uh, I don't know if I'm a believer in Ole specifically, but I I think maybe I am just a, a huge believer in. Um, you know, I, I am just a huge believer in Pogba and in Bruno. I think those guys are. I think those guys are, are both so phenomenal that they have the ability to outclass Manchester City. Of course. And plus 340 is pretty damn good value because at the end of the day, like, hey, say Arsenal do pull off a miracle. They're getting into the FA Cup final. United take care of business against Chelsea. All of a sudden, United's looking like a heavy favorite. And even then, I think it'll probably be like a, a plus 170. I think the number is going to be cut in half if United go off against City just because of the way they played them so well. And that was prior to United having all their guys like this. I know City got a bit healthier as well, but for me, it's just it's just something about United right now that you like to ride the hot wave. And I understand how they dropped that one lead uh, against Southampton. But at the end of the day, this the aura around Manchester United, there's such positive vibes. It's really hard to ruin it for them. So for me... I love them as the underdog in that. Um, Chelsea, they're too suspect. That game against Norwich is just really concerning to me. It really is. And you know what? I think we're going to see a lot of that. And, and we were talking about how they were susceptible to some of these games. Um, and it happened last week. And we saw them falter. And you're like, what's going on with Chelsea? Because we see the version of them that's like, that should be the team competing for the Premier League title next year. And then we get that performance against Norwich where it's like, are they focusing enough at their issues instead of just adding guys like Akai Havertz, right? Should the attention be paid towards a center back? Because it feels like it should be a center back instead of a Havertz. Uh, it should definitely be a center back instead of uh, Havertz, I think. Uh, and, you know, it, it seems like they just have this this plan to kind of be all in on their offense and uh you know it just does, does not really make a ton of sense to me looking at at what they need basically like i think if you you look at what uh you look at what chelsea needs they just need a super commanding center back and they need they need kind of like a a version a of georgie well a better keeper yeah but they they kind of <laughs> also need like a version of Jorginho that uh is a little bit more capable defensively so that like because well, actually, maybe what they need is they just need to play Conte at his natural position. They're they're playing right. Conte kind of out of position in a four three three when he's better in a four two three one. And uh, so maybe maybe actually instead of Jorginho with a better defensive player, you just play Mason Mount at the ten and then get another uh, DM, you know, to play next to Conte. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of it's just finishing off their chances as well. And I think Werner is going to be a huge acquisition in terms of that. But at the end of the day, when you have these two glaring issues and you just read in the papers, you're reading these reports that Chelsea's not really in on a top center back or a top goalkeeper or even another option to replace Kepa with because Kepa's the most expensive goalkeeper transfer of all time. It's just kind of look like what got Liverpool over the hump because they're right where Liverpool was prior to the Van Dyke and the Allison transfers. Those two transfers took them over the top and made them one of the two best clubs in the world at the moment and probably the best club in the world considering all the trophies and competitions that they've gotten deep into so for me that's kind of where they have to turn to i know they're still linked with ben Chilwell. i think left back is, is definitely a priority there i think reese james is something that they could build off of in the future right. right back isn't one of those things but they need that superstar center back they have to there's no doubt about it and and, and at the end of the day if chelsea makes that move then we can start having this conversation of how far off are they of this Premier League title? But as of right now, with the way they're currently constructed, I don't really see that as a conversation being had. And it's not something I feel safe taking them in this futures market for the FA Cup. So if we get a Manchester final for the FA Cup, who do you like winning it? 
Do you think City is a deserved favorite and they will win it, um, continuing their domestic dominance, or is it United claiming back the City of Manchester? Um, I think City should probably be like minus 150-ish in that game. And if they are 150, 140, and if they are any deeper than that and United is, you know, plus 210 or whatever, I will, uh, I would definitely be on the United side of that game. Just not, not even necessarily saying like, you know, City will win or City won't win. Just, I, I think that those would be unfair odds to make City a bigger favorite than that. I totally agree with that. Um, hard to at the end of the day, especially when rivals like this play each other so tight. I, I think it's a little bit unfair considering the form that United is as well. Davis and I are in on Manchester United to be the underdog winner in this FA Cup. But when we come back, we're going to be talking some more Serie A. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the free kick. We're just going to hop right into Italy, Serie A, Juve, Lazio. Disappointing. Very disappointing race since it came back. Not all that surprised considering Lazio's lack of depth. Playing every three days, Immobile essentially going cold, Davis, and not really breaking Higuain's record. He still has a chance. He needs to bag about seven or eight goals with these few games left. But they get Juve in this game. They played him well, but they've been sucking so hard, man. They're burning me. All the time. I thought they would have gotten over two and a half in the game against Udinese. They draw 0-0. Getting smacked against Milan. They just look lifeless and look like a team who's just barely holding on. And if it wasn't for the sizable league in the Champions League race for top four, I would say they would have lost it by now. Because they're just absolutely dreadful. And they're hanging on by a thread. And Juve, rightfully so, minus 155 favorites. Lazio, plus 400 now. Didn't expect that at the start of the reboot. Yeah, and I just, you know, I do not have, um, I don't have an expectation for, or I don't have an explanation for what, uh, for what is going on with them. Like, I, I think it is as simple as they thought they were going to be able to win the league. Uh, they're not going to be able to win the league now. You know, that's become clear. Uh, they have a, a huge lead. You know, there's basically no way that Roma catches up unless they, I mean, maybe they go absolutely winless the rest of the time, then maybe that could happen. But I think it's just a case of, they had the motivation. They lost the motivation when they no longer had the goal to work for. I think that it could be that simple. The funny thing is, we were talking about off air. There is a scenario in which Lazio does not make the Champions League. Guys, this would be a crazy scenario for them. Lazio would have to finish fourth. Roma would have to win the Europa League. And Napoli would have to win the Champions League for fourth place in Italy to not go back. That would be insane. And that would insane. be so... How, how would you feel? Like, what is the compare? Is that blowing a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals? Like, is it that? Uh, that has to be, like, the closest. It might, even, it might even be worse because of the financial <laughs> implications. Like, NBA teams make money every oh. year no matter what. If yeah. uh, if Lazio blows this and doesn't get the Champions League money, that, uh, that's just that's as bad as it gets. I, I would be devastated if I was a Lazio fan, but I'm not, obviously. So, unfortunately, no. Um underdogs do they somehow rally in this plus 400 looks like a good number on paper but when we're really looking at it from you know just a pure analysis standpoint it's it's not even like worth it and Juve is not playing great either but at the end of the day it's like pick your poison kind of if you want to go with the money line here I do think it'll be there's an opportunity for the over two and a half I like that something that's safe I do like both teams to score as well that's at minus 152 in terms of Juve, look, I mean, minus 155, I don't even feel comfortable taking them in that because it's just the way they've been playing. They they haven't looked convincing. They kind of got lucky against Atalanta as well in that 2-2 draw. It took two handballs for them to draw against them. They were completely outplayed. At one point, Atalanta had 70% possession, which we're looking at prime Barcelona tiki-taka uh, soccer there um, in that right. match. But, but they, you know, typical Juve, they just find a way to grab the point. I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of a little bit off on this game. I like the scoring numbers in this in terms of picking a winner. I think I'm gonna back off. Yeah, uh, I I like I do I like Juve in this game, and the the kind of the reasons why are 
you know, one, they have guys who just have those creative moments of brilliance, right? Ronaldo, um, Dybala, even some of those guys in the midfield, you know, uh, Pjanic. And, uh, you know, uh, Rodrigo Bentinker, probably. We should give him a he's little bit more well. credit. He's yeah, he, he's been, he's been you know, kind of since the restart, he has been one of the, he's been one of the better midfielders kind of in the world in terms of like someone who's just fun to watch that you probably did not know of six months ago. And Lazio, kind of the exact opposite, right? Like their their most creative players have just been stuck in a rut. You know, Luis Alberto not having a great year. Uh, so I I I, th- I actually think I would I would bet Juve in this game, kind of kind of like catching the momentum stock on uh, on the way down. They they got to wrap this up. They can't have this linger on going into this and playing this poorly when they're down already to Lyon in the Champions League, in which they don't have a goal. And by the way. That got released after we recorded, of course. The route that they're going to have to go through, they're on the hard side of the bracket. It's not easy. So, in terms of everything, they have a lot of stuff working against them. If they if they lose this somehow against Lazio, Atalanta makes up pace again by winning. There's still a handful of games where it's not that I think is going to lose the title, but they're making this last a lot longer than they would like to. And at the end of the day, when you have Cristiano at his age, he's playing 90 minutes all the time. His fitness is absolutely incredible. At some point, he's got to be human. And Father Time is going to play a part in this, not to the extent that he's useless, but to the extent that they're not getting to him at his best. And that's worrisome, in my opinion. Yeah, so that is true. I mean, is Juventus kind of in that group of teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid that we were talking about where... You know, it doesn't really seem like they have a youth movement coming through. And with every passing year, it seems more likely that, I mean, the you know, Atalanta the, the or someone transfer. else could win. I think the yeah. Delict transfer was just huge for them. I think they yeah. do have a good amount of young pieces. The move for Pjanic and Arthur Swap played into their favor. That's a 23-year-old midfielder that they have. Benton Kerr is pretty young. I think they do need to, and, and Dybala's right in his prime right now. I do think it is very important, though, Davis, that they don't get caught into this spot where Barca is, where it's just you're stacking up on so many guys trying to win this one trophy that you kind of forget where your future is. You're looking at the now too much, and you're not looking at two to three years down the road. Because for them at this point in time, I think it's imperative that they do get a young star. Kulusevsky, obviously, at Parma is another guy that we've talked about that they're adding as well. But it's got to be the striker. I think they need a number nine. And the rumor to get Milik from Napoli, I don't think that's the move. I really don't. I, I think they got to look in, in, in another direction for this. I think they need to capitalize on having Cristiano Ronaldo for the time that he has remaining here. Because at the end of the day, if you're looking at Juve, it's not that successful of a transfer if Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't break that Champions League drought that they have. They were winning the leagues before that. That's fine. Their brand has skyrocketed. That's great. It's a plus. It's a success no matter what if you get Cristiano Ronaldo on your team. But at the end of the day, they want him there because they wanted to win the Mickey Mouse trophy in the Champions League. And if they don't do that, part of me feels like it's a failure. But it isn't at the end of the day. Like I don't know how you feel about it. I, I, I think part of me says it's a failure. No, I, I, I agree. I think anything that, you know, leaves like winning the Serie A can't be the goal for Juve, right? Not anymore. Like, no. Yeah. What, what's the point? Just, they have the most by far. Exactly. It just, I mean, it's nice when they win it. I'm sure the fans like it. I'm sure, you know, I like, I, I'm sure it's a good thing, but the whole goal of that operation should be, you know, to win the Champions League. And every year they don't win the Champions League while spending this much money on Ronaldo's contract. It's got, I, I agree. It's got to be viewed as a failure. Just like, just like the Lakers and LeBron James. We're going to compare it to American sports here, right? LeBron James, if he goes through this whole tenure with the Lakers, I I do think he gets one. But if they don't get a title there, part of you says it's a failure, right? Even though he's playing amazing. No one's ever played this well at his age this late, carrying a team like that, being the best player, top five in MVP voting again, one of the, the best player in the world still for my money. If you don't get that title, it means a little bit less at the end of the day. And you feel for them because much like Cristiano... And LeBron James, they're playing, no player has ever played this well at their age in the history of their sport, right? We've never seen an NBA player play this well at age 35, 36, um, where LeBron is. We've never seen a soccer player play this well at 35, 36, Cristiano Ronaldo. 
right? Like, there is the potential that him and Immobile both get 30 goals. That is insane. Like we said, there's only been three players since 1960 in the league itself to have scored that many goals in the season. We might get two in one year. But we got to move on quickly. Inter versus Roma. Inter's mind-boggling. I don't know how Antonio Conte is really keeping his composure right now in the media. Um, there's been rumors that they might be selling a bunch of guys, including Milan Skriniar, who was considered to be their future for the next 10 years at center back. Roma was stuttering. Then they kind of picked themselves back up. They've had a favorable fixture and schedule as of late. I don't know. Who do you, who do you feel comfortable picking with you? It's, it's another tough one for me. I don't know if I fully trust Inter anymore. I, I, I think I'm kind of fading them for the rest of the season. Man, I think I think Fiorentina is pretty good. Uh, they are. They have yeah. some really. They have some guys. They have some guys that I. Uh, you know, they have some guys that I really like. Um, you know, I think uh, Federico Chiesa, I think he is a, a fantastic um, young player. I think Patrick Crutrone is, like, he was kind of one of those guys who was supposed to be the next talisman for the Italian national team and for, for Italy as a whole. Hasn't hasn't quite gotten there, but I do think he's good. And, uh, you know, also, Frank Ribery, I mean... Like he might be, he might be old, but that like there's just no one out there who can whip a ball in the box like like that dude. You like saw I saw the goal I actually, he had against Lazio, right, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I still love watching that guy play. I think he's really good. Yeah, he's he's awesome, and it's like one of those cool moves at the end of, at the end of uh, you know career. I mean, it didn't work out as well, but it's kind of you just remember when Darrell Rivas was like on the Chiefs, like oh yeah, he was there that one time, like that was cool, even though he was awful. exactly he was terrible for them. But at the end of the day, it was like. That was cool that we got to see him in, in that uniform and perform there. Yeah, Fiorentina has some interesting guys. Their owner is from New York, by the way. Um, purchased them for 175 million euros. You know what's even funnier about that, Davis? You know how much it costs for an MLS team to just get into the league? The fee? I mean, I bet it's like, what, 100 million flat? $300 million American dollars to get into That's the MLS. That's crazy. I mean, good good for them, though. It means they're they're not in a Wigan athletic situation. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Um, look, hopefully for them, they kind of turn that around. Um, this, game, this game is, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Um, for me, I think it'll go over two and a half goals. I don't love it. I And Dzeko is just so bizarre, man. I don't think he should be a guy that's starting every three days. Uh, for a team that wants to be competing from European spots. I know he was linked to Inter last summer. I think he should be headed there, and if Roma was smart, that's something they would invest in. Um, it's nice to see Nicolo Zaniolo back in for them. He scored uh, for Roma against Sampdoria. That's a guy, Davis, 165 days coming back from a torn ACL. That just terrifies me. That just yeah, you know, you know in soccer, though, I mean, if you really, if you really think about it, like, it, like you can come back early because, one, you don't have to play – like you don't have to play the whole 90 minutes, right? You can come back sure. and and but also, like at the end of the day, soccer is mostly just running and to get your ACL back and up to go, like you got to run a ton cuz you got to strengthen it and mm. you got to strengthen that whole stabilizing core all throughout your leg. And uh, especially if it's your off leg, so like if it's not your not your yeah. kicking leg, like sure. there's even less stress on it. So like that's always I now of course, obviously I am not a I'm not a doctor. I don't understand <laughs> why like in the NFL, guys take a year to come back. In soccer, yeah. guys come back in six I, I months. I know it has I... to do with weight because these guys yeah. are a lot oh. lighter than them. Yeah, they're 140 well. pounds or whatever. Yeah. If, like right. Vince Wilfork tears his ACL, it's like that big boy is going to take a good 18 months to get back, you know? Um, so um, I've been referencing Vince Wilfork a lot just because I, I always found him flexing his biceps with his, his fat flab the funniest like celebration I've ever seen in my life. But I'm Martino Puccio. That's Davis Maddock. Thank you guys so much for watching the free kick. And may the winners be yours. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.